Hey guys, my name is Scott Niemeyer and I'm the lead pastor of High Point Church in Friendswood, Texas. I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We believe that church is not just an event you attend, it is a family that you belong to. We also believe that it's God's plan for every person on their spiritual journey to know God, to find some freedom from your past so that you can discover your purpose and ultimately you can make a difference. And we exist as a church to help you on that journey. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by today's message. Let's jump in and let's get started. series that we're on. This is the the last week we'll talk about this. Uh, And the series title is Generous. And so I'm going to talk to you today about the blessings that come with generosity, that there are some blessings that come. Now, I want to go ahead and say this. We don't give to God uh, so that we can get something in return. That's not the heart behind it. But I want you to be very clear that when you give to God, that it, it begins a spiritual principle on the inside of your life and God begins to, this is his words, throw open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing until there is not a needy one among you. And so it's a powerful, powerful thought when we begin to think about generosity. As I think about my spiritual life, I, I know and I define my spiritual life as a journey, that I am, I'm somewhere right now Thank God I'm not where I used to be. Come on, somebody. Uh, But how many of you know I'm not where I'm going yet either? And if you have the mentality that God has more for your spiritual life, has more for you, when you approach him that way, you will never get to the place where you think, I know all there is to know about this. Because when you get to that mindset, you will turn off the voice of God in certain areas because you think you already know everything about that area. But that's not what discipleship is. That's not what being a follower of Christ is. Being a follower of Christ is actually saying, God, I'm walking with you in relationship. Think about hand in hand. I'm walking with you in relationship and I'm trusting you every step of the way. And as I get to know you more, as I understand your heart and your word more, I understand that there are things that you want to show me in every area of my life. And what I've come to learn and what I think is very powerful is that the word says that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. So we are here in operation, but this world is not our home. If you have relationship with God through Christ Jesus, then this world is not your home. You're going to spend eternity one day with him in heaven. Come on, somebody. That's exciting news, right? Here's the thing, though, is that he talks about so many times his kingdom being an operation, his kingdom, his way of doing things being an operation in this world. Now, we have a choice. Are we going to operate within his kingdom? Are we going to operate within the the rules of the world that we live in? And here's the crazy thing is obviously we got to obey the rules and the laws and all that stuff. But understand this, that his kingdom can supersede what you already know in the natural. And when you begin to open up your mind and your heart to that idea, then you'll begin to give him areas of your life that you were like, okay, that was off limits to him before because I felt like I already knew. Not that you didn't have a heart for God, but sometimes we just don't give him access. I love the illustration Parker just used of, hey, God, help me with this, and then you take it back. Hey, God, I trust you with this, but not really. 
hey, God, you know, just kidding. And I think that's really where I want to challenge some thoughts today because I feel like this is an area of generosity where we can really begin to, to say that we have trust in the world system and not in God's system. And many people, and I, I know, and I'm really, I'm getting to the place where I'm going to stop apologizing about this uh, because I, I've always been like, oh, God, uh, let me tell them about their marriage. Let me tell them about their sin and getting their life right. Let me tell them about purpose. Let me tell them about all the things. God, don't make me talk to them about finances. And he really checked me on that. He said, Scott, if you're going to be their pastor, you have to teach them what I teach, what I say about every area of their life. And some of them are struggling and they're, they're, they're maybe in a place where they haven't stepped into the purpose that I've designed them in because they haven't given over this area of their life. And so I want to I wanna help you today uh, with this idea of generosity. And I want to do it based upon what God says about it and really what, what he, what he uh, has to communicate about it. So as we're talking about this, I do believe that generosity needs to be on display in the life of every believer. I think it's very, very important. I think the Bible is clear about that. Generosity, though, produces things on the inside of you, okay? And that's what I would talk about, the blessings or the production that generosity begins to, to do things in you because God is now allowed to do something through you, okay? And when you begin to see that, you'll begin to understand. So you begin to ask questions like, okay, if it produces something in me, what does it produce? And that's what this message is really all about. Let me lay some foundational work with some, some scripture here. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Corinth, all right? And he is talking to them about uh, how they're handling their everyday life. And the subject of generosity comes up. And so it's an interesting passage. It says this in verse number 7, you do well and you excel in every respect. Already it sounds like they're doing pretty good here. They're like getting an A on the exam, right? Like you excel in every respect. And he begins to list them in unstoppable faith. Do you know what, what God can do with unstoppable faith? If we begin to step out and begin to believe him. And so he says this, in powerful preaching, man, you guys are doing a great job. In, catch this, revelation knowledge. So knowledge is information you take in, but knowledge is just information if it doesn't come with a revelation. So what the word of God has the power to do is not just give you information, it has the power to, to, to change that into a revelation, the light bulb moment. When the light bulb goes off, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I understand that now. Oh, this is what, this is what love your wife the way that Christ loves the church means. This is what these things, and so you begin to get an, a revelation about things as you're in relationship with God and you're listening to his word. So it says in Revelation Knowledge, doing a great job. In your passionate devotion. I love that, both of those words. I'm, I feel like I'm a passionate person, which means I, I, like to, I like to be passionate when I'm talking, when I'm communicating things. I want people to feel passionate. So he says this, in your passionate devotion though. Devotion means you are devoted to God. And in, the sharing, of, and in, in sharing the love that we've shown to you. So they have received love and now they are giving love out. And he's saying, listen, great job on all of this, man, fantastic work. But then he throws this little caveat in there. He says, since you're doing all that so well, so make sure that you also excel in grace 
filled generosity. Well, the word grace, anytime you see the word grace, can be defined a couple of different ways, but for sure it can be defined as power. So think about this. Make sure you excel in power field generosity. So this is one of those things where he's saying, listen, pay attention to this and make sure uh, that this is something that is operating in your life, in your, in your relationship with God, and also in and through your church. So we know now, based upon this scripture, that God wants us to be generous. So the honest question to ask ourselves is this, is am I generous? That's the first question that I, I want to answer. Hold on, guys. Is that better? Is that bugging y'all as much as it was bugging me? Okay, all right. Okay. Uh, We know that God wants us to be generous because of what we just read, but the honest question I think pops up into my heart is this, am I generous? Am I a generous person? When you begin to think about that. So let's look at a couple things as we look at it. Let's look at how you spend money. Not just how you make money, but how do you spend money? Uh, How much have I given to God? If you begin to think about that, like how, if you begin just, just in a practical way, like how much have I given to God or given through God, uh, given through a person to God? How much have I given to others? Remember, what did Jesus say when he was asked about the most important commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So the two questions kind of go hand in hand. What am I giving to God? What am I giving to others? Um, and either, this is what, what it boils down to, either we're generous or we're not. It's, it's really something that can be quite quantifiable. Uh, you can basically look at, at who you are and how you do things. And so I don't want to spend a lot of time on this part of this because I want to get to the blessings that generosity produces. But I want to spend just a moment here and tell you what the opposite of generosity is and what the Word of God has to say about that. So the opposite of generosity is what? It's greed, right? So the opposite of being generous is being Greedy. So let's kind of contrast the two and let's look real quick at what the Word of God has to say about greed. In Luke chapter 12, in verse number 15, he says it this way Then he said, This is Jesus, he says, Beware, guard against every kind of greed, which lets me know that greed cannot just show up in your finances, it can show up in every area of your life. It can show up in love, it can show up in good works, it can show up in your giftings, it can show up in all these different things. And so he says, beware, guard against every kind of greed. And then it goes on to say this, and I love this verse. Love, I mean, life is not measured by how much you own. First of all, I want you to know this. is another verse not in your notes. God wishes above all things that you prosper and be in good health. Okay, so God's plan for you is to prosper and to be in good health. Now, I'm not a prosperity preacher, but we can't get away from what the word of God has to say about this. So I wanna encourage you and understand this, life is not measured by how much you own. I like to say it this way, God doesn't mind you having stuff as long as your stuff does not have you. So it's great, I mean, enjoy it, use it as a tool, have fun, all those things are great, but also understand that God, maybe he wants to tap into some of the ability that he put on the inside of you, the ability to generate and make wealth, so that you can actually further the kingdom of God and begin to help people that cannot help themselves. So it's a very powerful thing. This is the term that I want you to begin to think about. In every investment, And church is not an investment, but let me just say in every investment, people want to know this. What is my ROI? What is my return on investment? 
Like if I do this, what is it going to produce, right? Well, in the kingdom of God, it's not ROI. We add a letter to the beginning of that. It's called E-R-O-I. It's the eternal return on investment. Did you know that whenever you sow and you give to the kingdom of God, you are stepping into not something that's gonna end at the end of your life. You are stepping into something that is going to be able to be seen in eternity forever and ever and ever. And noble causes are good, but if we don't tell people about Jesus, if we don't tell people that their life can be changed, then we're really just not doing much for the kingdom of God. Y'all okay today? I just want to pastor you for a moment. Here's, here, here we go. Three things that we know about greed. Number one, greed lives in people, not in possessions. So your possessions, your inanimate objects, greed doesn't, doesn't reside in those things. Greed resides in people. And there have probably been times in all of our lives where we've had to wrestle with this or we've had to kind of come to terms with what this is. And so it's just, just a kind of an important thing. How many of you have kids, children? Okay. Well, if you have children, probably for moms and dads, but for sure dads, every once in a while, if mom's out of town, you'll take your kids out and you'll go to get them a hamburger and some French fries. Come on, maybe Whataburger. They got in and out coming pretty soon. Uh, you maybe you take them to McDonald's, whatever the case may be. Well, what you, what I know about this particular because I have five children, it's happened many times for me. Is we go through the drive-through and we get the food in the bag, and what's sticking out of the top of the bag? French fries, baby. Those golden brown, salty French fries that I didn't order for myself. Order for my kids. But I'm thinking to myself, I'm gonna grab a French fry. Or maybe when you get home and you lay the French fries out and your kids are sitting there and you got the, your Happy Meal or the burger and you got the fries and everything and you walk by as a dad and you're like, I'm gonna take that fry. Dad tax. Yeah, this is what it is. You just, you gotta pay the toll. You know what I'm saying? Here's the crazy thing though, is in the beginning, some of my kids, they'd be like, dad, that's my French fry. Don't touch that. Come on. They hadn't realized yet that I'm the one that provided the French fries. They haven't realized yet that I have enough resources to fill the whole kitchen up with French fries if I want to. They haven't realized that, that there's always going to be more than enough. But it's, that, it's the heart behind it. And, and here's the crazy thing. And I, of course, with the five children, my youngest ones, he's here, he's listening right now. He's so sweet. He'll actually come and give me half the bag of French fries now. Like, Dad, I know you like these. I'm like, okay, it took, it took us to get to number five, but he finally realized it's not about being greedy, it's about being generous. Number two, greed destroys your ability to trust God. I trust you. Do you really? This is a tangible way that can be seen very, very easily if you're honest with yourself. So greed destroys your ability to trust God. Let me just throw this caveat in there. Money is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Do we need money? Do we need finances? Yes, all those things are important. But understand this. Uh, Jesus is the answer to all of our problems. If you believe that about your spiritual life, if you believe that about your marriage, if you believe that about coming to church, if you believe that about knowing that there is a God, 
Why would we not give the one another area of our life and begin to believe and trust him in our finances? It's a powerful thing. Here's the thing. Faith without works is dead. We can talk about it, say we believe it, but until we begin to put some action to our faith, then God can take it. And let me just tell you this. God is not an addition God. God is a multiplication God. Things that add up in this kingdom, this kingdom over here, these things over here, they don't necessarily make sense over here. Or let me say it this way. God's kingdom doesn't always make sense in, in, the, world's, in the world system or the world's kingdom. Because over here, he'll begin to do multiplication. You say, Pastor Scott, how can that possibly be? I don't know. How did he part the Red Sea? How does he rain down bread from heaven? How does, how does Jesus heal blind people? How do, I don't know. All I know is it works. All I know is when you begin to trust God, he'll be a debtor to no man. Let me give you a, uh, the, another thing here. The, the next thing I want you to see is, is number, uh, uh, number three, and that is greed is rooted in fear. Fear is the direct opposing opposite of faith. So if you're operating in fear, then it's hard to operate in faith. So this is what the Bible says, though. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. So the fear doesn't come from God. The fear comes from the world, its system, the enemy attacking all these things. And let me give you some statistics that actually prove this. And this is, this is things that you can find uh, in the world. In the Mind Over Money survey done by Capital One, 77% of Americans report to feeling anxious about finances and their financial situation. 77% have anxiety about it. 58% say that finances control their lives. 58% of, why do we do what we do? If 58% say that money and finances control their life, how many of you know we should be 100% Jesus in control of our life, right? I mean, he needs to be controlling. 52% say they're having trouble controlling their money-related worries. They worry about it so much, they have trouble controlling those worries. The American Psychological Association said this, 75% of people worry about money all the time. All the time. Money is the, catch this in America, money is the number one reason for divorce. Right now, inside the church in America, the divorce rate is over 50%. I come from a divorce background. My, my parents were divorced. There's no shame in that whatsoever. But understand this. What if God can help us in these areas? Why wouldn't we trust him and say, God, I'm going to take a step of faith and begin to believe you in all areas of my life? Here's the question I know that some of you might be asking right now. Why, why are we talking about money in church? Well, if we're gonna be a helpful church, we have to talk about the topics that you're facing. And according to the stats that I just read, many of us are facing and dealing with this topic. Another thing is Jesus talked about it a lot. I think of his 30-something parables, over 20 were about money and possessions. The word worry in uh, the original uh, definition context of that actually means to strangle. When you are worried about something, it will strangle you where you can't breathe about it. 
Not to mention that the reason that we have life and have breath is because of the pneuma, the pneuma, P-N-U-E-U-M-A, that word, the pneuma spirit breath of God is on the inside of us. He said that he, he formed Adam and he reached down and he breathed into his nostrils. So anything that creates worry is trying to restrict the God that's on the inside of you. If I was to ask you what the Bible is about, many people here, you might say, well, man, Pastor Scott, the Bible's about faith. You just taught about it a couple weeks ago. Man, faith, it's about hope. It's about love. And let me just say this, it's about all of those things. Let me kind of give you a little bit of just kind of context here. The word faith is in the Bible 246 times. Praise the Lord for that. The word hope, 185 times. The word love, 733 times. And the word give, 2,285 times. Why was Jesus and why does God have so much to say about having an open hand? Because he realizes that that one thing can become the thing that stands between you and him. He addressed it with the, the young ruler when Jesus, he walked up to Jesus and said, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said, that's easy, man. Just go sell everything you have. Come and follow me. And he said, well, first of all, he said, obey the commandments. And then, then he said, well, which ones? I mean, you know, you're just trying to pass if you just want to know which ones, you know? Well, I mean, he wrote 10, but uh, which ones do I have to obey, right? It's like, uh, I, just, I just want to get a C here, you know? I'm just trying to pass, Jesus, don't, you know? <laughs> and then he, this interesting is he says, I have a whole message on I'll preach it sometime. There's 10 commandments. The first four have to do with your relationship with God. No other gods before me. Remember the Sabbath, all these different things. The other six have to do with your relationship with people. So when Jesus said, love God and love people, it encompasses all 10 commandments. When the guy said, which ones, Jesus only listed out the six that have to do with other people. And then he said, he said, well, Jesus, I've done all of those since I was a kid. He said, okay, now the ones that have to do with God, these four over here, now go sell everything you have and come and follow me. And it says he went away sad because he was a wealthy person. Here, here's, the, here's the message is not in, it's a sad story, but the message is he really had an issue with submitting to God, not submitting to others. He was a good person. I, I treat people well. I, I, do, I do nice things. What about God? Y'all okay today? It's okay. It'll be over this Sunday and Vision Sunday next week. It'll be much lighter. It'll be much funner. Okay. <laughs> the majority... The majority of Jesus' parables was about money and possessions, and I think I've already mentioned this because he knew that the number one competition for the affections of your soul would come through our money. He would be tempted, we would be tempted to serve money rather than him. And this, here's the deal. He wants to show you how to live in financial freedom, but we have to do it God's way. The world's economy says, if I give more, I will have less. The world's economy. If I give more, I'll have less. It's simple subtraction, right? God's economy says the more you give away, the more he gives to you. In fact, he says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give into your laps. There's another parable that says when you receive the word and it's planted in your heart and you begin to act out of the word that it will produce something in your life 30, 60, and 100 fold. He, he, there, is a, there is a multiplication in this that I want you to begin to grasp. Let's go back to our key verse, 2 Corinthians 8, 7. You do well to excel in every respect, unstoppable faith, powerful preaching, revelation knowledge, passionate devotion, and in sharing the love we have shown to you. So 
Make sure that you excel in grace-filled generosity. Let me give you the seven blessings or products of you being generous because I want you to begin to see this is how your life could be, okay? Number one is generosity makes me more like God. And you're like, well, that, I don't know if that sounds good or not. No, don't catch this. In Ephesians 5, 1, not in your notes, it says this, that you, we are to be imitators of God. So generosity, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his what? Only begotten son, his first and his best. He gave, he gave his first and his best. So generosity makes me more like God. Uh, you, you, can give, you can give without love, but you can't love without giving. I'm gonna say that again. You can give without love. So you can give and be like, yeah, I, I tip that guy or whatever. How many of y'all tip somebody at the restaurant? I don't know about you, they're asking for tips everywhere now. Parker and Zoe from my birthday a couple months ago got me tickets to the Monster Jam with, with Saint, my grandson. So last night, baby, we went to the Monster Jam, okay? I'm talking about chili cheese dogs, monster trucks, earplugs. We just did the whole thing. You know, it was awesome. I went and paid $30 for ice cream and they asked for a tip. I'm like, it's two scoops. Like, it's $15 a scoop. What, what is happening here? My point is, I could tip them. Doesn't mean I love them. Come on. But you can't love without giving. James 1.5 says this, but if, you, but if any of you lack wisdom, you should pray to God who will give it to you because God, catch this, this is God's characteristic, gives generously and graciously to all. Number two, generosity draws me closer to God. Do you know that when you are generous, it draws you closer to the Lord? There's a connection between your money and your heart. Matthew chapter six, verse 21 says it this way. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Lots of people have reversed this and they've changed what the scripture says. The scripture does not say that where your heart is, oh yeah, we're gonna give some finances to where our heart is. It's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Why do you care so much about your house? Why do you care so much about your possessions? Because where you put your treasure is where your heart is. Don't you think it would be a good idea to give God, put some of your resources into his hands so that he can begin to do some things with that? The E-R-O-I can be accomplished and then all of a sudden he'll begin to bless you even more. All this stuff over here is a byproduct of doing it God's way. And if you've had success doing it without God, just think of the success you could have if you did it with God. Give to the kingdom and your heart gets closer to God. I wanna just encourage everyone here to be a consistent tither and giver to the house of God. You say, Pastor Scott, I don't really understand that. Well, we talked about last week, if you missed the message, please go back and listen to it, about the first fruits or the tithe or giving God your first and your best. Like, don't, don't get to the end and be like, well, I got this much left over, no big deal. No, like, what about putting God first in your life? Like, God, I'm trusting you with this. So I wanna encourage you with that. I do wanna show you something I showed last week, the giving ladder. I think they have a slide for us here of the giving ladder, if we can put that up. Here's a ladder that I like to kind of look at. If you see at the bottom, first time giver, I, I've never given to High Point Church. Um, and so this will be your first time. You would be, begin to give to High Point Church. The occasional giver, I give to High Point Church, but not consistently. And then the intentional, 
I give consistently to High Point Church, but less than 10% of my income. And then tithing is actually I faithfully give 10% of my income to High Point Church. And then the extravagant giver, usually people that are motivated with the gift of giving, can be identified in growth track through the spiritual gifts test. I give beyond my tithe to High Point Church, but not specifically that. Anybody can step into that. This is my, what I, why I show this, is sometimes people get overwhelmed with the idea of tithing because they don't, if they don't have the resources to do it right up front. First of all, there's a step of faith in it, but I would just encourage you to get on the ladder somewhere. Just, just, just get on the ladder. Like if you've never given, give. And, and this is what I'd also encourage you, is as your relationship with the Lord grows, begin to set yourself some goals to take a step on the ladder. We go from one step to the next step or from this step to this step and begin to ask God. Here's most importantly, we're never gonna ask you here for it. This is, this is why we don't pass the buckets. This is what we do. I ask that you prayerfully ask God what your part's supposed to be. Now, I've taught you what the word of God has to say. It's now you take the information, you ask God and you begin to step out and do what God has instructed you to do. Number three, generosity breaks the grip of greed in my life. Whenever I step out in generosity, it breaks that grip. Matthew chapter six, Jesus taught it this way, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The translation says mammon, which is actually a spirit that loves money. And so you can't serve God and money. Doesn't mean you can't have both. It just means you can't serve them both. Only about 10%, this is in America, not necessarily in our church, but about 10% of American Christians that go to church support the local church with their tithe. There's no better investment anywhere in the world. Trust me on that. God, his word is true and he will begin to watch over his word and perform it in your life. This is not a please help the church talk today. This is a please help yourself. This is what I've come to learn about this is that God's gonna build his church one way or the other. He would love for you to participate because if you're participating, he knows that he's blessing you in that area. And so it's a very powerful thing. Number four, generosity will grow my faith. In James chapter two, verse 26, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. It will grow your faith. Number five, blessing, product of generosity. I want you to, I want you to catch this. Generosity establishes a generational blessing. Don't miss this one. Hebrews chapter seven, so this is New Testament, talking about something that happened in the Old Testament. Verse number nine and 10. In addition, the writer of Hebrews says, we might even say it this way, that these Levites, the ones who collect the tithe, paid a tithe to the high priest, Melchizedek, with their ancestor Abraham, when their ancestor Abraham paid a tithe to him. For although Levi wasn't even born yet, the seed from which he came was in Abraham's body when Melchizedek collected the tithe for him. So what he's showing here is that something began to be established when Abraham took a step of faith and said, I'm gonna be a tither. I'm gonna give, bring the, the tithe to the storehouse, to the high priest so that God's house can be taken care of. When that began to happen, there was a seed inside of Abraham that the 12 tribes of Israel came from. One of them was Levite, the Levites, and he's pulling this out saying, we could say it this way, that because Abraham did it in the beginning, it's still working in the Levite's life today. 
It's a very powerful thing. Parents that tithe have children that tithe. The God of Abraham, I want y'all to catch this, the God of Abraham, his son Isaac, his grandson Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I wanna ask right now, if there's a blessing that starts with Abraham, it went on to his son and then to his grandson, I wanna ask, which one are you? Maybe you're the first generation in your family. In my family, I am the Abraham. I am the baby of my family, but I am the first one to step up and to say, we're going to do it this way. So there's an Abraham, there's an Isaac, because I have instilled this into my, my life, now my children have an understanding of this and they are also putting God first and giving God their best. And then there is the grandchildren. Now, saints only two. But one thing he knows last night is that his grandfather got enough money to get him anything he wants at the Monster Jam. What does that mean? That means that the blessings begin to carry on. It's a generational thing. I wanna wanna say something here, and I hope hope this doesn't offend anybody, but I really, I think it's important to say this. What will the church, we can talk about the church, but let's just talk about it at home. What will this church look like in 30 or 40 years if it were based on your giving habits today? I begin to think about that because we're not building a church just so we can all have a place to come Sunday. We're building a church for now. Hopefully, I'm gonna show you what this is gonna look like in a week's time, I hope. The architects are working on it. But when we build the building, it's not because we just want a building. We want a place that can change the lives of people for generations to come. That it would be about our children and our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and people that we don't even know yet, that their lives will be touched and changed because a group of people got together and said, you know, we're gonna trust God and we're gonna say God was number one in our life and it changed us and he can change you too. It's a powerful thing. Number six, generosity impacts eternity. First Timothy chapter six, verse 18 It says this, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give happily to those that are in need. Always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. Verse number 19. By doing this, they will be, come on, don't don't miss this. This is the E-R-O-I. They will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. And they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. I I couldn't have said it any better, my son. I mean, God says it right there, right? By doing this, you will be storing up for yourself real treasures in heaven. So generosity impacts eternity. Number seven, generosity attracts the favor of God. Proverbs chapter 22, verse number nine, it says, blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. So he's saying there's a blessing upon your life because of your generosity. I I, I want you to just to think about this for a second because I heard this and I'm closing. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, which means you could also deduct that the world of the greedy gets smaller and smaller. This is one of the things that I've, that I've begun to understand is that my generosity can affect people 
that I may never, ever see. But it means that my world gets larger and larger. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, this is not in your notes, so they're not gonna be able to put this up. I just wanted to share a couple other verses with you as I, as I close here. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Anybody, anytime anybody tries to get you to give under compulsion, don't ever do that, ever. I care more about you than that. I want you to make a decision based on your relationship with the Lord of what God is telling you to do. It says this, for God loves a cheerful giver. You give out a compulsion, you'll be like, I hate doing this, but I'm doing it because he said so. No, no, God loves a cheerful giver, not a reluctant one. But don't do it if your heart's not in it. Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I used to think that was like a car running over it. No, it's like a, a vessel running over, overflowing, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. There's a spiritual principle here about generosity. And I want to just encourage all of us to ask the Lord what should I be doing in regards to generosity? I've often thought, as your pastor, I don't want to just tell you what to do. I want to, I want to disciple you and train you so that you can hear God's voice. Because if you can hear God's voice, God will take care of the rest. God will do whatever it is that he is encouraging all of us to do to make sure that we're playing our part. And let me just say this. And I, I mean, I don't know about the other churches around, but I'm going to tell you right now, we have a very, very generous church. I want you to put your hands together because I'm telling you right now, we, we have a very generous church. A five-year-old portable church. I think already by this time of the year, we've already given over $200,000 to missions this year. That's well above the 10%, way above the 10%, but you know what? We can't outgive God. We're not gonna be generous individually. We're not gonna be generous corporately. I want you to view all the missionaries that we give out to, and we're gonna talk about it during Vision Sunday and Legacy Sunday. All the, all the missionaries that we give out to, think of that as like a mutual fund that you get to invest in. Oh man, I, I'm, did you know, you can talk to me, be at coffee tomorrow. Did you know that I helped plant a thousand churches in America in the last 20 years? How'd you do that? Well, we give the church planning at our church. I, every soul that gets saved in one of those thousand churches, I have a part in that. Take a sip of your coffee like you know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Did you know that we bought some shoes and we're gonna build a house for some orphans in South Africa? Did you know that? That's what me and my church did. I mean, th we're gonna talk about it so you'll know how to go brag at the coffee shop. Come on, somebody. But when you give... And you can give specifically just to missions if you want. I don't know why I'm sharing all this. I want you just to have a heart for it, but I love you. If you don't mind, bow your head and close your eyes. I want to pray for you. If you're here today, no pressure on this, but this first question I want to ask you is about your life. It has nothing to do with your resources or anything like that. It just has to do with your life. If you're here today and you would say, you know, Pastor Scott, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. 
I've never said yes to him. The Bible says it's very simple. If you will believe in your heart and say with your mouth, the Bible says that you will be saved. And the translation says born again. What does that mean? That means that it's no longer you who live, but it's Christ who lives in you and through you. In the life that you now live, you, you will live in the presence of the Son of God. If that's you and you're here today, every head bowed and right close, just raise your hand up. You wanna, you, wanna, you wanna be included in this prayer when we pray. Just raise your hand up. All right, thank you so much. I'd like everyone here to say this prayer with me. Everybody say, Father. Everybody say, Father, thank you for loving me. God, I surrender my life. You can have all of me. I say, God, that you are so loving and so caring. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. God, help me to live my life in relationship with you. God, you can have anything and everything that I have in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you've been encouraged by our ministry, we would love for you to like, subscribe, and share this video. If you'd like to help us to continue spreading the message of Jesus all around the world through giving, or you'd like more information on our Sunday services, you can visit us online at myhighpointchurch.com or you can follow us on social media at My High Point Church.